So, in the Bible, it's Acts 16. We're doing a special story sermon today for Robert's baptism. So we're going to be in Acts 16 today. Page 1098 in the book. 1098. Acts 16. So... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start by praying, and as I mentioned, um, today's a, a really special day to be able to celebrate Robert's baptism together, and uh, just want to give a special welcome to his family and friends that are here, and in light of that, I wanted to do something special because Robert's a really special guy and uh, love Robert a lot. <laughs> That's great. And um, so in Acts chapter 16, we have the story. Is that vibrating? Danny said it was loud enough and I doubted him. Made him turn it up. It's my fault. So... In Acts chapter 16, we have a wonderful account of a Roman soldier, jailer, who um, came to Christ and was baptized. And so I wanted to kind of share this story this morning, um, hopefully in a way that just helps you to, helps us to really capture what happened in this guy's life uh, and transformed his life. Uh, hard, crusty, nasty, mean, heartless, ruthless Roman soldier into a totally different guy. Um, also, part of my, um, part of my uh, scheming in wanting to do this was, as Daniel mentioned, starting this Wednesday, on Wednesday nights, starting with the story of creation, we're going to work through key stories in the Bible, dozens of them, over the next, I don't know, 10, 20, 30 years. <laughs> and we're going to... So I wanted to kind of give you, get you a little an incentive to want to be there on Wednesday nights and not only learn the stories and the truths of the stories in the Bible, but get excited about telling these stories. So... You know, you go home, or you're in your neighborhood, or you're at work, and you're going to be just so excited about these stories, you're going to want to just be telling the stories of the Bible throughout the week. So, I'm going to tell a story this morning, and it's based in Acts 16, 16 to 34. And I'm not going to read it, because, you know, that would spoil the story. Um, or you'd be criti uh, critiquing me the whole time, saying, oh, that's not what it says in the story. But I guarantee you, it's what it says in the story, because I spent a lot of time this week <laughs> making sure that it's what it says in the story. So Acts 16, 16 to 34, I'm letting you know that, so afterwards, you can read it. 
and you can say, oh, Dave did a really lousy job, or <laughs> Dave did a good job. No, that's not the purpose of it. So you can read it some more. So let's pray, and then I'm going to tell you a story. Father, I thank you that you are God. You are the most high God. You are all-powerful. You're all-knowing. You are majestic. You are holy and righteous. You are God. And yet, amazingly enough, you are also very loving and kind and compassionate and merciful and longing to save. And Father, I thank you just for this little story we have in the Bible that just opens up your heart to us and describes it in, in the life of a man that you changed. And I thank you, Father, and I pray that you just open our hearts as we listen to this story and that you would change our hearts because we're, we're a people that constantly need you to change our hearts and that you would do that today in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm, um, my name is Marcus. That's who I'm going to be, the Philippian jailer in the Roman colony of Philippi. That's where I am. I'm a trained Roman soldier. And if you know anything about Roman soldiers, we're kind of a ruthless, heartless, mean, nasty kind of combination of um, um, maybe Nero and... Hitler, maybe the combination of uh, a Green Beret and, a, and a, a Ranger and a Rambo. <laughs> Although, of course, as a Roman soldier, I don't know who those people are. I've been called a lot of things in my life, mostly behind my back. Obviously, they wouldn't dare say it to my face. Ruthless, heartless, cruel, pagan. All of which I must say I was very proud to be called. And I guarantee you that no one ever called me nice, kind, or happy. Titles for women, not for men. And the story that I want to tell you this morning is not the kind of story that you'd expect to hear from a Roman soldier devoted to Rome. Tough, calculating, unafraid, ruthless, absolutely no fear. Now, my story, or at least the part of my story that I'm going to tell you this morning, began when two lady preachers, that's what, I, that's what my friends and I called them as we were drinking in the pub at night. Paul and Silas were their real names. Why did we call them lady preachers? Well, because they were the typical religious type. You know, going to ladies' prayer meetings, down by the river, where no real man would ever find himself down by the river, praying with ladies. Real men didn't need some kind of a god. Real men were found hanging out with me and my friends at the pub, attending the fights, the gladiator fights in the arenas. Now these guys, lady preachers, they, they, as far as we were concerned, they might as well have been wearing dresses. Anyway, like I said, they were always going down to the ladies' prayer meetings by the river, uh, they were run by a lady called Lydia, <laughs> ran some kind of a f fabric store like Joanne Fabrics. 
although I hadn't heard of that yet either. Then one day, the funniest thing happened. Well, at least it was funny to me back then. This, as they were on their way down to one of the ladies' prayer meetings by the river, this young slave girl, and you heard me right, a young slave girl, she was probably 11, 12 years old, owned by some ruthless men. This young slave girl began following them on their little trip down to the river, and as she did, she would yell at the top of her voice, These men are servants of the Most High God! And they have come to tell you how to be saved. And she did it day after day after day. And this is a true story. Day after day after day, she would follow after them shouting, These men are the servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. Well, you might think that that was good advertisement for Paul and Silas, and that they would be kind of excited about it, but it wasn't. Because everyone in Philippi knew that this little girl was a little crazy. You might say, some said she was possessed, but nobody paid attention to her. So her following and mocking and shouting, well, it didn't really gain them good attention, you might say. It did gain them attention because as she was daily making fun of Paul and Silas, so was everybody else. Me and my friends in the pub, every night, <laughs> we'd be mocking and making fun together. These men are servants of the Most High God, and, and you, you need to be saved. You need to be saved. And we just had a great time drinking and mocking and making fun of Paul and Silas. And her owners had a heyday. They, they thought it was great, too, because as she was mocking and making fun of Paul and Silas, they were making big bucks. Because the fun that they were making, the fools that they were making out of Paul and Silas, it was bringing her owners big bucks as they were saying that what she really was was a fortune teller and, and she could tell the future and she really knew who they were. And so they were making a lot of money on her. I tell you, Paul and Silas, the lady preachers, were the laughing stock of Philippi. Well, this went on for quite a few days until it seems that just about the time all of us were, trying, were about getting tired of it, Paul had gotten tired of her also. And so one day, as this little slave girl was following and making fools out of Paul and Silas, he abruptly turned around and looked her in the eye, and he said, looking at her, and it, it's not like he was almost looking at her, but it's like he, like he was looking through her, speaking to something inside of her, and he said, I command you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, come out of her. And whatever it was, it did. It was weird, and I must say it was a little scary, because there was something that had been making her that way, and no longer, and now it was no longer there, in the name of Jesus, whoever he was. And I tell you, none of us expected that kind of power from some lady preachers. Well, as a result, immediately the girl stopped following and making fools of them. And her owners knew that their source of income was over. And they were angry. They were furious. They grabbed Paul and Silas, and they hauled them to the marketplace where the city officials were. A mob formed as they were hauling Paul and Silas to the marketplace. My, my drinking buddies from the pub 
everyone was riled up. And in case you're wondering, it seems that nobody even cared about the little slave girl anymore. This girl who had been delivered from something that was controlling her and destroying her, it's kind of like she was forgotten by the mob who all of a sudden all they cared about was these strangers who had come in to upset things in our community. And everybody was angry and, and riled up. Well, Paul and Silas, when they brought him to the marketplace in front of the city officials, were stripped and beaten really bad. I mean, not real bad. And they were handed over to me, Marcus, the jailer. I was given clear orders, don't let them escape or else. And I mean, if you don't know, in the Roman world, that means they get away, you're done away. And I understood my orders, and I guarantee you, I took no chances. Despite the fact that after the beating they were given, they were barely conscious, and if you've ever witnessed a Roman beating, well, you all are a little young for that. But if you've, if you've ever seen on, you know, a Roman beating, they're ruthless. And when a person's done being beaten, they're hardly alive. Despite the fact that they were barely conscious and could hardly move, I threw, and that's what I did, I threw. I, I wasn't any Mr. Nice Guy, you know, all helping them into prison. I threw them into the deepest dungeon in my prison. And I put their feet in stocks. And I guarantee you, they weren't going anywhere. And to give you an idea of the kind of guy that I was after all I had seen and done, I gave him one good last kick, and I headed upstairs, about three flights of stairs, and down along the hall, about 200 meters, to my living quarters in the prison. And I went to sleep. No worries here. Well, that's when things started to get interesting. Terrifying might be a better word. I was told that around midnight, amazing as it seems, Paul and Silas started singing. They started singing, giving thanks and praising God after everything they'd been through. Songs like, Oh Lord my God, when I am awesome wonder, they began to sing, How great thou art, and Oh, love that will not let me go. And, and, and all these songs of praise and worship to a God that had let that happen to them. And praying for, for those of us that had beat them and abused them. Prayers like, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. They don't, for they don't know what they were doing. So around midnight, as they were praising him and, and praying for us who had beaten him in prison with them, all of a sudden, there was this massive earthquake. Well, that, that's when I woke up. I mean, I don't sleep through everything. And, and all of a sudden, the, it's like the, the prison was going to collapse, and they were screaming from the prisoners. It was, it was the worst earthquake that any of us and probably has ever been as the prison was ready to collapse in on itself and the prisoners were screaming, I woke up. And, and when I realized, after I woke up, I, excuse me, after I woke up, I realized that what the prison, the, the earthquake had done, it had actually broken 
the doors of all the cells so that every cell door in that prison was open. And of course, being a relatively smart guy, I knew that no person in their right mind was still in that prison. I mean, why would they be wanting to hang around and experience more of me? And so I assumed that all the prisoners were gone. There was only one thing to do. I drew my sword to kill myself. I was not going to experience the same torture that I myself had put others through. So I drew my sword to kill myself. But in that exact moment, as I was about ready to kill myself, from the depths of the dungeon, I heard a voice, and it said, Don't do it! We're all here! It was Paul's voice. I couldn't believe it. About 200 meters away, three flights of stairs down, in the pitch dark, this voice at the exact moment I was ready to kill myself, Don't do it! We're all here. It was Paul's voice. My thoughts were swirling. How did he know what I was about to do? Why were the prisoners still in their cells? What was going on? Why was this happening? Well, I called for a torch, and I, and, and, and I was terrified. And trembling with fear, I ran to the dungeon, down the hall, around the corner, down three flights of stairs, and as I ran, I realized it was true. Every one of the prisoners in my prison were still in their cells. Hardened, ruthless, mean, nasty prisoners were in their cells. What was going on? Who were these men about whom the young girl had constantly shouted, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. Who were these men? And at that moment, in that exact moment, I realized for the first time that I needed to be saved. I needed to be saved. Now, I know what some of you are thinking, post-traumatic stress syndrome, foxhole conversion, but I will tell you what I know. I was a Roman soldier, and I was terrified. I had never in my life been terrified before, and I had been in many, many intense battle situations. I was terrified because I realized for the first time that I was up against something way bigger, way bigger than Rome, with all of its legions, way more powerful, and, get this, way more merciful. That's what terrified me. It wasn't just power and might and... It was mercy that terrified me. Something I had never seen before. This God of theirs, and, and get this, this God of theirs had first driven something out of that young girl. And then this God of theirs had just destroyed our prison, shook it to its very foundation, broken all of the prison doors wide open, released all of the stalks from around the prisoners' arms and legs. Then this God had done something, and this is where it becomes even more terrible. He had done something to keep all of these hardened prisoners in their cells. And then he had revealed to Paul, 200 meters away, down a, 
down a corridor, around a corner, down three flights of stairs, at the very moment I was going to kill myself, had revealed to Paul that I was going to do it and caused him to speak out, stop, we're all here. That's mercy. That's power. And I was terrified. Think about it. He was all-powerful. He was all-knowing. And he cared about me. This mighty God cared about me. A heartless, ruthless, mean, and nasty Roman soldier. He knew all about me, and he cared about me. And it was at that moment that I realized I needed to be saved. I wanted to be saved. He knew all about me. Man, that was a scary thought. And maybe it is for some of you who are, who are here today. He knew all about me. He knew the mean and nasty, cruel things that I'd done as a Roman soldier. He knew all about me. He knows all about you. He knows what you've done. He knows the kind of person you've been. But get this, even though he knew all about me, everything, he reached out to me. Do you see that? This all-powerful, mighty God was merciful to me. He had mercy on me. He kept me from killing myself. And now I knew why. It was that I might be saved from myself, my ruthlessness, my nastiness, my wickedness. Well, I ran into Paul and Silas' cell. I fell on my knees and I asked them, what do I need to do to be saved? I knew that they knew what I thought about them, the jokes that I made about them, the names that I'd called them, the fools that I made out of them with my friends, but they simply replied by saying, believe. Believe, you and your whole family, on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved. Well, I brought them up to my living quarters. I, I introduced them to my family, and they talked for hours about Jesus to us. They told us that Jesus was the Most High God that they were servants of, that he came and he, and he became a man, that he lived a perfect life, and that he died on a cross. The mighty God of the universe in his mercy, died on a cruel Roman cross to pay for my sins. And then he rose from the grave, alive and victorious over sin and death and every evil power, like that evil power that was controlling that young little girl and had set her free in order that we might be saved, my family and me delivered from ourselves and our sin and our wickedness and live. Isn't that amazing? It's a true story. Well, that's my story. Paul and, ba Paul and Silas baptized me and my family that night in front of all the watching prisoners whose lives were transformed along with mine. They baptized us right then and there. We were saved and we wanted everyone to know it. 
Well, you might be wondering if it really took, right? Was it just a foxhole conversion? Did it really take? If I was really saved, changed, difference? Well, like I mentioned earlier, you can read my whole story in Acts 16, 16 to 34. It will tell you how a ruthless, mean, nasty Roman soldier became a kind and compassionate lover of Jesus. You know, what I did immediately is, as Paul and Silas shared Jesus with us and, and we were saved, we accepted Jesus as the one who could transform us, wicked, sinful, done everything you could do, individuals, and changed our lives by God's mercy. As I mentioned, we brought Paul and Silas into our room and we washed their wounds. And we put salve on them. <laughs> Can you believe? I couldn't hardly believe what I was doing. It's like the transformation we're seeing in Robert. As God is changing him. We, we washed their wounds. We anointed them with salve. And then we, my wife made this the biggest spread of food you could ever imagine. And we fed them. And we celebrated life together with them. You know, I just want to say one more thing. It can happen to you too. If it could happen to me, a cruel, heartless, ruthless Roman soldier whose eyes were opened to the fact that the Most High God cared about me. The God of the universe died on a Roman cross for me to save me and deliver me from my sin and my nastiness and my heartlessness and change me and turn me into a kind and compassionate, caring person. It can happen to you. I guarantee you, none of you could even come close to being as bad as I was. It can happen to you too. I don't care who you are or what you've done. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You know, just before I pray, I'd encourage you to do that today. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you can be saved too. Delivered. Delivered from your pain and your and that anger and, that, and, and all of that stuff. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved. Let's pray. Father, Thank you so much. You are mighty to save. You are God. You are King of kings and Lord of lords, and you are our Savior. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your mercy. Father, I thank you for how you've changed my life. I thank you for how you've changed Robert's life. And thank you, Father, that right now we can celebrate that together as Robert testifies himself of the good work you've done in his life, and we celebrate by baptizing him together. Thank you, Father, so much. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask Robert to come up.
I've asked Robert to um, just give a testimony, kind of his story of God's work in his life and the difference Jesus has made in his life. And when he's done with that, then we will baptize him. Hello. So um, a lot of you guys know me. People in the back knew who I was and what I was about. And like Marcus, I didn't care. I had no feelings towards anybody that I hurt, what I did, who I did it to. did it to my mom, my sister, my friends, even my nephews. I took money from them, and I didn't care. I beat people up for my addictions, but now it's like, I don't have anything that I need to depend on anymore. I don't have to depend on drugs. I don't have to depend on having a relationship or how many people I'm hanging out with. I, I just got one, one person that I, that I just want to be in their good graces. And now I'm, I'm a happier person. I smile. I've got a family that loves me. Me and my mom are, we're connected now. We talk. We, we have good times tell stories and like Marcus if it, if it could happen to me it can happen to anybody else Any, no matter what you've done no matter where you've been I'm pretty sure I've done it and I've been there and probably worse maybe not who knows and yeah all you have to do is believe and you can have something you can have something that you never thought would ever be in your life. You can just feel born again. And that's my testimony. Robert, I'm going to ask you two questions. Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Actually, that was the only question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make a statement now. <laughs> They're different. So, Robert, having heard your testimony and having seen these last weeks of the heart change and the life change that Jesus has been in your life as he's become your life. I'm excited. Mm. And we're going to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son.